Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So welcome back then to another edition of the Who Needs Instructions podcast with video as well. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined today by a lady by the name of Natasha Jones. Natasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, Natasha and I met basically because I went on to a previous guest on the podcast, Ashley Leeds. Uh, I went on to his 15-minute LinkedIn Live that he does on a Tuesday around about half past 12. And you've also been a guest on that. And I think you were probably the guest the next week, weren't you? So you were watching what happened the week before, um, which is what I did to make sure I knew what was going to happen on, the, on Ashley's show. And that's when you kind of heard what I was talking about. And that's when we realised, actually, we're kind of potentially kindred spirits in this world of getting men talking, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. Um, as you were speaking, commenting in Ashley's live, it was like hearing myself speak, but in a male voice. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was like, oh my word, is he reading my mind? How is this happening? So uh, yeah, to say we were a kindred spirit aligned uh, is an understatement, I think. Uh, and that's just again that's lovely to meet people along this journey and and, and you know it's great to th- the 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 affirmation that I got from someone else thinking the way that I do about this was was you know really great for me but equally I was quite surprised because you know you're a lady and you're trying to help men so where does that come from and I'm gonna that's just a blunt question because I'm, I'm curious okay so um if I may explain I've been an employment lawyer uh, be 21 years this okay. uh, this month actually and so I had acted in the employer-employee relationship and I found there was a pattern of m- many of my clients I was speaking to a male so when you have redundancies and you have executive exits um, then a lot of them were males basically I suppose we're striving for equality. If I say it out loud, it's obvious. If men have been in senior positions, it would follow that I've spoken to more men over the last 20 years and have women in my professional life. So in those conversations, and as you got to know people, there was the legal case that was happening. And then there was the the human um, aspect and uh, just chatting away. And the admission by so many of them that they didn't really have anybody to talk to but because they'd come to me for help and because I'm a trusted advisor, it's, everything's badged in confidentiality, they don't know me, I won't meet their wife, etc., etc. they were able to sort of speak. Um, and so we'd have these conversations, the legal case would be over, and then I would have sort of, I don't know, we would touch base maybe a year, two years later, Natasha, this is what I'm doing, I'm in a great place. And by the way, those little chats we had really, really helped. And I suppose when we were locked down with COVID, I heard a statistic that sort of stopped my heart. I was out in the garden. Um, I'd had a day speaking to furlough all day at the garden, a little bit of fresh air. I heard this podcast saying the highest suicide rate in the UK is males aged 45 to 49. And I suppose it's a bit like they say, you don't notice a red car on the road until you say a red car. And then when you drive, every other car appears to be red because you suddenly start noticing it. And I started to notice, I think, actually, I'd done, you know, I'd had a case on, I'd done my job and I'd supported these men. But, oh, my word, they were in that demographic, uh, middle-aged men where they were really stuck in life. 
and they didn't uh, talk to their friends, they didn't talk to their families, um, it wasn't the male way, effectively. So that, so that sort of set me off on a completely different thought pattern to furlough. Um, and to be an employment lawyer, I, I began to look back at all those cases. And I suppose in the months that followed, they appeared again, and it went back over in my mind, but this time from a very different perspective. It's it's incredible because you know I I've never really worked in the corporate world so I've never kind of been through that myself but I know plenty of guys who have and they're coming to talk to you like you say in confidence from the legal point of view but I bet there was a part of it that then you almost felt like a bit of a counsellor for them. Well, indeed, my um, my degree is in psychology, and it it was Riley. I think probably a couple of years ago, a passing comment, uh, probably out socially, that I was using my degree much, much more than I'd ever imagined. Because I did my degree, I went off to law college, did the sort of then the postgraduate, um, then trained and qualified as a solicitor, and it was law, law, law all the way. Mm. But I've always been intrigued in what makes people tick. So as a lawyer, my way was slightly different, maybe to some of my corporate sort of counterparts. And I'd say, okay, what's the story here? I need to know the people involved because in every dispute in the workplace, there's an employer and employee and the employer has a person. And whether it's bullying, you know, whether it's a grievance, it's effectively a divorce because these people have worked really closely together and and something's gone wrong. And the Mm. fallout is huge as much as I would say divorce. So, um, yeah, it's, it became obvious that perhaps the reason I was a slightly different lawyer, I wasn't a normal lawyer, is because that first study and being intrigued about what makes people tick, why do they behave in that way? And that is how I've practiced the law effectively for the last 21 years. So this developed into something that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just trying to remember your story in terms of during the pandemic, you were, I, I guess you, well, you were, <laughs> I know that uh, accountants and solicitors were incredibly busy during pandemic because of furlough and things like that, but somehow you managed to find time to write a book. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. And by the way, thank you for sending me a copy. Uh, I, it literally, I, I got through it in about, uh, well, half a day, I flow through fluid. And, and there's lots of stuff that I want to get into in that book. But again, is that something that just happened? Or have you written books before? Have you been a writer? Do you journal? What What's the background there, please? Yeah, actually, in 20, early 2019, uh, January 2019, somebody said to me, you've got a book in you. And I said, <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, not me. Um, and so it came, I suppose, I suppose it was COVID's gift to me because I had this extra time. I wasn't ferrying my kids to run in practice to here to there, basically. And so the extra time I was contemplating and I started sort of these things started dropping in and I started putting them together and then jotting them down um, and started having open conversations with people. Because I think probably um, what happened in COVID when you did have human interaction, you would talk, you would you would how are you what's going on with you how are you finding it so it opened up conversations and the more I began to talk around this subject and the more it became a very important subject to me so the book happened I would say by accident um I had I, I I jotted it down realized that the advice the tips I'd given and that had worked 
um, I'd sort, they'd sort of become self-care programs. And, and, you know, men, you say the word self-care. No, 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 that, that's something women do. They go to spas oh, yeah. and things like that. Um, so badging it as habits seemed to be more palatable. And then I, mm-hmm. I found I had 32 of them tried and tested. Um, then I spoke to um, a gentleman I've known a long time in business who a throwaway comment to him was, well, he, could, he said, it's a book. And I said, well, you can illustrate it and laughed. And he pondered it. And then what is a fictional short story about a man? And I think this is the bit where partway through your live, I went, oh, my word. Because my book, the title, of course, A, it's Mandemic in the Mm -hmm. pandemic. But it's about a fictional short story about a man in a pandemic. And it says, a tale of a man who didn't like to be told what to do. (laughs) And I think that feeds in to what, where you're at effectively. You're saying instruction. I'm saying tell people what to do. I think it's probably semantic. What we both recognise is, is that the people who are struggling the most, the very worst thing to do is to instruct them, tell them what to do. That isn't the way to help them. Definitely. Um, you know, I know I've written some pieces that I put out, if it's in my newsletter, things like that, where there's five instructions and the fifth one is, but you don't need instructions, do you? So it's just, you know, there's a, 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 this was at the end. The name came about, um, ironically, and I've told this story before, uh, when I put it out on Twitter and just people started throwing ideas back at me and someone said, who needs instructions? It just struck a chord straight away because we are, and you know, I'm a man, I'm 48, I'm 49 in two weeks actually. And, you know, uh, I'm in that demographic and, you know, I if I'm going somewhere in my car, thank God for sat-nav, because I used to have a look at a map and then put it on the seat and go, yeah, I know where I'm going, and I'm never stopping, I'm never asking for directions. I've got an Ikea chair over here to my left, <clears throat> which I looked at it and went, yeah, I've got a good idea how that goes together, and then I had to disassemble it and then read the instructions. I mean, we are annoyingly stupid at trying to be manly and get on and do with it because we should know that i mean i am the least manual man i know these hands have been pushing pencils and tapping keyboards for most of my life um you know they are soft as a baby's bottom if you like you know so i'm not a a, a physical guy in terms of that sort of thing needs doing but what i have got is a bit of emotional intelligence and that's where i think i can help other guys and other women as well, actually, uh, understand the thought processes that go on up here um, rather than, uh, you know, just bury your head in the sand, crack on with it, be a man, man up, all those crap phrases which I cannot stand. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. Um, but the thing I loved about yours, and we've spoken to a guy on this podcast before, a guy called Bez, about he, he calls himself the habit coach. And I went through a little course with him. I did, you know, and there was sort of five to six habits that he taught me. And then all of a sudden you've got 32 habits. And I'm like, oh my God, that's overwhelming. But actually you look through some of those habits and we're probably doing some of them already. Is that, is that fair to say? I think so. And uh, I mean, one of the habits is perception. Um, because what I'm saying is that if everything, um, if, if you begin to a bit like the red car, as you approach things, if something feels difficult or it makes your stomach sort of feel unsettled, then if you think perception, then I can perceive it. I'm, I am perceiving it this way, but 
could I perceive it in a different way? And that's whether somebody's just let rip at you and you think, really? Really? And then if you stop and perceive it, perhaps they're having a really bad day. I have no idea what's going on behind there. And whether that's the, that's the person in the road rage who's just flicking the Vs when they wouldn't let you out, but you've nudged out because you thought you had time, and then they put their hands on the horn, whatever, whatever. Um, altering perception, or at least being aware that is there a different way to perceive things, has completely, for me, been a game changer. And I would say it's fundamentally changed me as a human being since pandemic has come out. Yeah, I try yeah. to talk, I, I try to not just talk the talk. I try to walk it, and it's really important to me. Not every I don't open the book and think right. I have thirty two things to do today, but I do keep going back to it, and it's really important that if I'm saying to people, I think this will help, that I am actually doing it myself. Yeah, something I've been doing a lot of work on recently, and this is again, you know, for men to talk about. I've been working on myself. I mean, just get over it, guys, because. We should be working on ourselves. We need to work on ourselves because we've not done it for generations and look where that's got us. But the thing I've been working on is acceptance and that seems a lot like perception. Uh, And it's exactly that. It's accepting a situation for what it is, control the controllables and you can only control your reactions or your behaviour in a situation. You cannot control somebody else's. So I've had a recent situation where, you know, I actually fell out with somebody and it, it tore me up inside. And I'm like, I, I want everybody to like me. But actually, do you know what? Just just let this one go. This person doesn't like me. That's fine. I've got to move on. I've got to accept it. Now, for someone who wants to be loved by everybody, that was tough for me to do. And it took me two or three days to really kind of get my head around it. But it's it's those sort of things where, you know, there is so much in life that we cannot control. And allowing things to kind of happen deal with them, deal with their own emotions, I think is a really, really healthy thing to do and something that, well, you're practicing, I'm practicing, and I think we'd both be advocates of other people looking into that as well. Absolutely. Well, actually, one of the habits is self-acceptance. There you go. And if I, if I can, if, <laughs> Sorry if for I not can remembering it, all 32 of them. No, 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 not at all. So, 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 so if I may, just so self-acceptance, approval, accepting of self, asserting. It is not what others think of you or expect that is relevant, but how much you believe in yourself. It has been said that very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself, in your way of thinking. Who today do you acknowledge yourself to actually be? So in that situation you spoke of, and I've done this a lot when people don't behave in the way that's palatable to me. When I've actually given it a moment and thought, okay, why am I angry about this? Why am I upset about this? Why do I want this person to like me? Then once you sit with it, even just for 30 seconds and think, but why is it important to me that they like me? And it sort of then goes, it sort of disappears. But we Mm. all spend our lives wanting approval of others and judging ourselves um, because we think, well, if we do this, more people are like us. But actually, when it comes down to it, it doesn't actually matter. Maybe. And it, 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 it's, it's a constant ongoing thing. So this working on yourself, you know, a title that we've given it just now, is, um, you know, I, I'm trying lots of different things to see what works for me. I have a morning routine, you know, which involves a bit of meditation uh, and a bit of journaling 
drinking water, having a coffee, you know, and it, and it's if I get out of that routine, it feels like that the day isn't going to go the way that I hoped it would. But I'm actually just trying different things. I'm trying to work out at the moment an evening routine. So, you know, people might go, well, it's a bit hippie-ish, but I don't care because all I care about in selfish ways is making sure that I'm good so I can be good for all the other people around me. And I think that's why it's important for guys to start to look at how you're looking after yourself so you can be better in your workplace, in your home life, for your spouse, for your children. There's lots of things that we could be doing to, to help that will help other people around us as well. Absolutely agree. I think it's one day at a time. And so if I, I didn't intend to share this when we, we arranged this, basically, but I think it's probably relevant. So I got divorced seven years ago and there was a couple of years I was living a life, every day I was anxious and I didn't really realise just how anxious I was um, until I began to do some daily work on it. And now my aim, my how I explain happiness it's not about one big event it's not about um sort of you know something glorious happening you know that I show the world my aim is as you say to do these little things that if most days I feel content for most of the day for me that is where I am at with happiness basically so I know that only I can control that therefore the more work I put in the more chance I'm going to, to get where I need to. If I if it's a day I can't be bothered, well then, actually, if all the habits fall by the wayside, as you say, quite often you get to the end of the day, it's been a bit more anxious. It hasn't felt like a good day, basically. So as I, I mean, I'm 47, and um, ultimately, you know, what I expected to, where I expected to be in my 20s and my 30s, even when I hit a 40, really, now I just now my expectations are less that ultimately if every day can feel just nice most of the day and I'm not having long stretches of anxiety then the more I read around this subject uh, the more you see people who genuinely the smile is authentic who genuinely live a good life and are happy with their life I'm not talking about celebrities. I'm not talking about those that are the media tell us are so happy and then you read six months later, they're not so happy after all. I mean, real people. Well, then they daily, they do work on themselves. They do a certain number of things. They set up their day. A morning habit appears to be absolutely crucial. As yet, keep reading around the subject. I've not yet found somebody who is talking, whether it's about happiness, whether it's talking about performance, who doesn't begin the day um, with a certain number of structured um, acts, habits, whatever you wish to call them. So for me, meditation was something that I'd heard of. I thought, again, it's a hippie thing. And now I think I'm probably 735 days. The reason I count the days and I make a little log is because my chimp voice, my ego voice still says, no, no, I don't think so. So I still have resistance to doing it. And I'm, you know, as habits go, well, over 700 days and I'm still resistant, but I still do it. And all I know is I now start, instead of starting the day on a wave of anxiety, I might wake up with a little bit of, but you've not done this, you've not done that. As soon as I meditate, it sets, it sets me on an even keel. And my aim is, is to have that even keel for the rest of the day. Therefore, things don't anger me. Things don't upset me. I don't respond to things quite the same. 
and it just feels good it's it's great i mean it's it's reassuring to talk to someone openly about this kind of stuff because you know again it's something that i've gone through the last 18 months and again you know you said oh, i wasn't sure if i was going to share this story i've just been away with with seven other guys and we've just done a, a week's golf trip and every single one of those guys is what i would or what i used to perceive as living a normal life they are married they have children they have a mortgage and a house and two cars and relatively good jobs. And I looked around that room and there are definitely some happy, happy men in that room. Definitely. But there's also some seriously miserable men in that room. Now, I was in that position. I had stepchildren. We had two cars. We had a mortgage. We had two dogs. We did all that stuff. Now, I'm not saying for one second, get rid of it and you'll be happy. Because, as I said, there were plenty of guys in that room that were delighted. You know, they, one of them has been with his childhood sweetheart. They met at school at 15 years old. They're now in their mid-40s. And it's just beautiful. They've got such a lovely relationship. Okay, so I'm not saying go on your own. It'll be fine. Because it won't. Because some people, I mean, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not looking to be on my own for the rest of my life. But at the moment, I am at my happiest point. And that is because I'm happy with my current situation. I am striving for certain things, definitely. But I'm not in a situation where I'm desperately unhappy. And that's what I think. And from, you know, from the research that we're seeing, the suicide rates that are being reported and and everything that you've done, Natasha, you know, in writing this book, it is much more common than we think. So, if we can get men to just kind of take a little step back, think about themselves personally and selfishly and go, look, what would make me happier? Um, because you, you may want to work on your relationship with your spouse, but that may mean that you need a little bit more time to yourself. Um, and, you know, working out those routines, working out what makes you happy um, and just flipping it slightly well no flipping it completely the thing that I, I I see a lot of men not doing is having fun playing okay now I am an absolute child and most men you know we go oh god yeah we don't grow up and all this lot and it, it is kind of true to a certain extent but you are you have these loyalties and they are not misplaced they are there they should be there but you know you are looking after your family you are looking after your spouse you are looking after the people you work with you may run a company you have all these responsibilities yet you're not looking after yourself at all and you cannot keep doing that because you will fall over at some point and then all those other things that you're responsible for could potentially all fall over as well so finding a little bit of time for yourself finding a time to go for a walk with a mate pop down the pub and have a pint go and watch the football together have a game of golf go and play squash whatever it is find that little bit of time because that will help you recharge and then be more present for the others around you sorry Natasha I've gone off on a bit of a well I've not really asked a question I've just kind of made a statement really (laughs) but I I agree with so much of that. So so I say a simple one that it's not selfish to fill your own cup up. Unless your cup is full, you don't have any overflow to give anybody else. So it, it's not selfish. You know, it's not being an awful human being. It's being a sensible one. So first of all, whatever fills your cup up, start filling it up and start taking the time every day to do a little bit of something to fill it up. So... I would say most of those habits, that's the 
point of them because if you get into a good daily habit of doing them, you are filling your cup up. Now, although the book's called Mandemic, the interesting, I suppose, or the really, for me, the big thing is, this isn't just for men, okay? Because I watch women doing it. I watch women blaming their husbands because they're not filling their own cup up. They're blaming their husband. And if he does this, they'll be happy. If he does that, the kids will be happier. And so the pressure on a man who probably is already working extremely hard, his cup already is empty, there's a further drain, basically. So when women say to me, yeah, yeah, I need my husband needs to read that. I'm going to get it for him. I gently say, well, you read it first. Because yes, it's called Mandemic, but the man is a human effectively it, it, because I told it as a fictional story it flowed better you know the man the man as opposed to the human because you know man goes back you know thousands of years ago that's yeah, how we descri- yeah. describe human mind humankind but women I see so many women my age so many women in my social circles their cup is empty there may be children have flown their nest. They don't have, you know, and, and they are just in this cycle of complaining and demanding. And the more they demand and try to control their husbands, the more everybody starts to fall apart. Mm. Now, again, on a personal share, you know, I, um, I look back and when things are really, really difficult in my life, then I was looking outside of myself, not inside myself. I was thinking, if that gets fixed, it will be better. If that gets fixed, it will be get better. And it took me to learn the lesson. Only I can control how I feel and how I perceive things. Therefore, I start with me first. And it's interesting, we both, I'm the same as you, I don't intend to always be on my own. But for now, I know I've got to get to know myself better because some of those bad habits of maybe having a bad day and thinking, well, if the chap I'm with does this, I might be happier. I've got to make sure I've kicked those bad habits first. Um, but ultimately, you know, when they're talking to people, you know, on their own, and you know, for me, it's like a red siren that goes off in the loudest, most intrusive way when a guy says, I'm looking for somebody, I need somebody too, and they haven't yet got to the point where they're happy on their own. And I was doing a self-care program with a chap, high exec, high fine exec, very, very, very successful on paper, but did everything at a million miles an hour, couldn't slow down, wouldn't slow down, actually. And so whilst had read the book and, and, and said they were adopting the habits, they kept finding reasons why those habits didn't apply to them. So as well as a morning routine, I talk about the evening routine. So many people I saw in my work were not sleeping properly. So they were dragging themselves out of bed. They were starting the day with a tank empty. You know, if if it's a phone, a mobile phone, the battery was on like 10% below. That's how they were starting the day. The day wasn't going to go very well, was it? And so tried to work with this person about an evening routine, but very much resisted the evening routine. And that's because as human beings, when we do something outside of our comfort zone, our ego doesn't want to do it. So even if we're in a place that's damaging to us, even if we're in a place that's hard, we'd rather stay there than try something new. And the older we get, the more that seems to be the case. And so try made these suggestions about coming off um, tech earlier in the evening, set on airplane mode, um, physically reading a book in bed, taking a bath of a shower. 
um, increase in the body temperature an hour before you want to sleep. The temperature goes up, but when the body temperature comes down, you're more sleepy. So it's more conducive for a good night's sleep. Um, but also setting an alarm earlier, consistently the same time every single day, because then the body gets in the habit of, na- of coming around and waking on its own, not the alarm. Anyway, the person in the end, they resisted so much trying everything, made lots of excuses, and in the end said, well, I think the reason I'm not sleeping is because I'm on my own. Once I find somebody, you know, find a, a romantic partner, I think I'll sleep fine. And I literally thought, I'm now going to give up because <laughs> actually that's the whole point. You're looking outside of yourself rather than yeah. actually taking the steps yourself to do this work on you or integrate these habits. You're you're looking for somebody to just give it to you. And therefore, which is why you have so many failed relationships behind you, is because you still need to start with you. Um, and this person as well in their 50s, you know, say corporately, they've done the lot. So built a business, sold a business, as successful as it gets, to be honest, on paper. Mm. But ultimately, um, so it, I, I, on that one, I, did, I gave up and walked away because... I tried, he'd read the book, we'd worked on a self-care program, but he still was not in the place where he wanted help. And I think that's probably the most difficult thing for me as a female. If feminine energy wants to help, wants to nurture, is to see somebody who actually really needs help walking away and saying, well, the time isn't right yet. Mm. You'll know when the time is right. And that's where men, if they don't share that they're struggling and they don't like asking for help for me that's the real difficult question to solve because how do you help men if they won't ask for help but I know you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped does does that make sense it makes perfect sense because I mean I gave up smoking just as another example about probably about 10 years ago and there was it wasn't costing me financially a lot of money. I could afford to smoke. Um, and, I, you know, I knew I should give up for health reasons, but I still like to fag, you know, and so on and so forth. And then this one moment happened where my stepdaughter, we'd send her to bed and then we'd nip outside, have a quick cigarette and then go and kiss her goodnight. And we'd walk in her bedroom and she goes, you smell horrible. And that was the one thing that was, okay, I'm now ready to give up smoking. So, yeah, I I don't know if it's, unfortunately, if something needs to happen for someone to step forward and go, okay, I'm now ready. Um, But it's about that awareness. And and can I just say there's a whole other demographic, which I, uh, you know, again, my, my mission is to reach these men. That's the hardest thing. I've got to get to these guys. No, no, no more. I've actually got to get to them. And then I've got to ask them to listen and potentially yeah. change you know i'm trying to help but men don't often want to be helped unfortunately we don't need to be told told what to do but so there's there's your world of the high flying executives there's also another demographic of guys who are you know shop workers factory workers go to work and they're just wonderfully loyal powerful men um who you know have sort of lower grade jobs shall we say i'm trying not to kind of put everybody into the same basket but you know these guys might nip down the pub and drink themselves silly once or twice a week and they're just kind of bottling stuff up inside it, it this is affecting men of of different demographics and of different ages as well 
I, I, Natasha, you don't know this, but initially this was going to be a middle-aged man thing because that's my demographic and it's, it's, I think I know it well. The more I spoke to more guys about this, I've got some guys who are friends of mine in their late 20s and they're like, Matt, we need to hear this as well. And I was quite surprised about that. But so I am I just want to kind of get through to men. But it is that 45, 49 demographic that has the highest suicide rate, which scares the shit out of me the most. And those are the guys that, you know, we really do need to, to get through to. If we can train the gut train, if we can speak to the guys who are younger, hopefully they're not going to become part of that demographic. So that's another part of <laughs> of this mission that I feel like you and I are trying to to kind of work our way through. Yeah, I'm aware as a female, and if if these men have probably got a female around them, raising their voice, basically pointing the finger, telling them what to do. Um, I certainly don't want to be another preachy woman pointing the finger, telling a man what to do. So I knew um, when I published this that. Um, I was, I suppose, um, less likely than one of their peer group. So when I heard you speaking on Ash's Live, then I think this is the way to go. Just keep talking about it. The more men that admit, yeah, they, they A, um, life hasn't felt brilliant. Uh, and on a day-to-day basis, they knew they could do better. And then B, they have tried meditation. And it might only be five minutes. It might be just getting out of bed before you switch on your phone and just doing five minutes. But it, it's amazing how the brain can be trained. Mm. But people being real about it, not people saying, yeah, I, you know, I meditated for six years and, and, uh, and now I'm a really happy person. You know, none of us can, can really every day resonate with that. But the more people are open and authentic and honest about, let's face it, middle life doesn't really feel like we thought it would do when we were at school, when we got into our 20s, when we had our 21st birthday. Um, And that's the point, really, is if you're feeling life isn't really what I thought it would be, and I'm a bit more anxious, and I'm not sleeping too great, can tomorrow I do something slightly different? Is it worth trying something different to see if it makes a difference? Yeah, I've got a, a little, um, I th- and I, got, I don't know who the, the accreditation should go to for this. I think it's Henry Ford, uh, but at the bottom of my personal emails, it says, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You do have to make changes. Changes are scary, but you know what? If you embrace them, they can be quite liberating as well. Now, Natasha, I always ask four questions at the end of my podcast, so I'm going to get onto that, and then I would like you to tell us how we can get a copy of your book, because... I. I literally highly recommend it. And I mean that literally. Um, it's a brilliant read. And, and, I'll be, and I'll be nice. It's an easy read as well. Um, you know, there are a lot of books that can scare people and written by highly, you know, um, what's the word? Educated people who are just, who write in, you know, oh God, this is like a white paper from the government. But actually this is so readable. So, and that is, <laughs> I'm trying to walk the tightrope of go. Yeah, it's really good, but it's not really intellectual. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll, I'll let you off the hook. It's simple. It's simply presented. And I worked really, really hard that every single word was a simple word. And, and that was my intention. Uh, and that was the hardest bit of the editorial aspect of it. So, no, I, I love the fact that people describe it as a simple book. You can read it in less than half an hour. And there's 32 pictures. I there's loads of pictures saying, in it as well. It's, yeah. it's like a comic. It's a comic. It's not a hard read. Yeah. Thank you for letting me off the hook there. I was really digging myself a massive hole. 
<laughs> right, question time, question time. Here we go. Now, these are uh, questions that are aimed at men, but I think they sit really comfortably with women as well. So what do you think it takes to be a man in the 21st century? What do I t- think it takes? Um, what I hope it is, is the stoic fathers you probably had acknowledge they were stoic fathers and a dash, a blend of a little bit of emotion. You get what works for you, really. But the way you were brought up by your own fathers in the world that it work, that we live in today isn't, I see, working for many men. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I had a father, I'm lucky my father's still around and the man has changed drastically in the last 20 years and he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, who has inspired or who's been the most influential person or people in your life? Oh, wow, gosh, you didn't even, you didn't give me any warning. Sorry. Uh, I, have, I have been, I have been, I am so grateful that I have had some amazing mentors. And my first, um, where, when I was training as a solicitor, um, my first boss, um, he was prepared to teach and I was prepared to listen. And I was the same age as his daughter. And the time he gave me, I now realise as an adult, was unbelievably generous of him. So he massively influenced me. My mum always said to me, um, whatever you want to do, you can do, but just be aware you have to work hard for it. Um, And I suppose my dad has always listened. And when I've got a really big decision to make, I go and talk to my dad. And usually he listens. And by the time I finish talking, I've solved the problem. (laughs) And so one of the habits is listening to hear because my mouth for a long time, for much of my life has moved much quicker than my brain and stuff is out of my mouth. I don't properly listen. So again, it's another habit I'm still working on to not have something to say all the time, but sometimes just listen. And especially I think probably with men, it's really important to listen not interrupt them as women, not then sort of provide a solution, but just listen. And sometimes there could be awkward silences, but actually listening to hear is is a skill that I think you have to acquire. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, Last tricky question, tricky-ish. What sort of legacy would you like to leave behind? Whoa, flipping heck. (laughs) You didn't give me any warning of these. What legacy? Oh, gosh. Be kind. Be kind and be authentic. So yeah. be yourself. I, in reality, you can tell young people that, but I don't think they'll really believe us. We wouldn't have believed it. But middle age has taught me you've got to be yourself because trying to be somebody who's not you is bloody hard. Sorry, it is. Um, but be kind. In any given situation, be kind, choose kindness over anything else. And that's, I suppose, would, would be the word. If anybody described me when I leave this, this, this earth, if, as long as they, some of them think that I'm kind, then that's my, I would say that would be my best legacy. Fantastic. I love that. I really love that. Right, last one. And I'm going to use the wording that I always use, but um, you as a parent, I think, can probably still classify in this. Tell me your best dad joke, please. My best dad joke, um, which I will attribute to my ex-husband because he is a very funny man, 
and I find myself always saying it. If somebody is going to the dentist, say, is your appointment at 2.30? Oh, yes. That is, yeah, that is, yeah, good old Peter Sellers, yeah. So, it's right uh, up there, yeah. Fantastic. Natasha, thank you very much. Now, please tell us how we can get hold of your book, please. So, good old Amazon, Mandemic. Um, it might try and tell you pandemic, but Mandemic. Amazon, you'll find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn, Natasha Jones, and there is a Mandemic page. Also, love to hear from you. I'm really interested in hearing from men their thoughts, their suggestions, even if you tell me, look, that's rubbish. You're wrong on that. So this is dialogue. I, I think I'll have for the rest of my life. I really do. So I would love to hear from anybody who's got anything they think I should listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've got people that challenge me on the stuff that I'm doing. And actually, I'm you learn from that, don't you? So I'm really happy to hear people that come across and say, actually, there is a room for stoicism in certain situations, because I put a post out the other day going, literally, stoicism is bollocks. Um, but actually, there is a time and a place where you do need to be stoic. So yeah, I'm ready to be challenged, as are you. So that's fantastic. And I, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. And literally this month, you've now called yourself the Chief Habit Officer of Mandemic. I love that. So is this now like an official um, business thing that you're doing and as well as your your legal work? Yes, the habits, um, good habits in the workplace can save a lot of money and a lot of sleepless nights for a lot of people, basically. So bringing together, I suppose, what has been the journey of Mandemic and going into the workplace, prevention rather than cure, So if historically I've gone in to sort out the mess when the divorce is midway through and everybody is, you know, it's daggers, daggers drawn, basically. Um, But ultimately, good habits in the workplace, whether it's employers looking after their employees, because an employee who turns up to work and is filling their cup up will perform much, much better than an employee whose cup is empty hasn't slept all night, has dragged themselves to work and has got a lot on their mind, basically. People are the bottom line. So there isn't any business who can't say this is important. Reach out to Natasha on LinkedIn, Natasha Jones. Uh, Have a look at that book. Uh, Get yourself a copy. I can highly recommend it. Natasha, thank you very much indeed for your time. I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, And I I think we are going to stay in touch. I hope so. I hope so, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.